0: الحمد لله، نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا. من يهده الله فلا مضل له، ومن يضل فلا هادي له. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له، وأشهد أن محمداً عبده ورسوله. صلى الله عليه وسلم. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتون إلا وأنتم مسلمون. there was a woman in the city of Medina within the Muslim community. So a female companion of the Prophet ﷺ who came to him and complained that she would have what we now know as epilepsy. She would randomly, unexpectedly have seizures. Regardless if it was in public, if it was in private, it was something that she had no control over whatsoever and anyone struggling with that these days we ask Allah to make it easy for them, Rabbil <speaking> Alameen. <in Hebrew> she came to the Prophet and complained about her condition to the Prophet. ﷺ. And the Prophet responded by saying, I can make dua for you, for you to be cured, or if you remain patient with it and you push through, then this will actually be essentially a means for you to enter paradise. I can either make dua for you on one hand and you'll be cured. On the other hand, if you remain patient with it and persistent with it, then you're guaranteed paradise. And she said, okay, I'll take the latter. I'll remain patient with it, I'll, I'll make it through. But can you make dua for Allah to keep me covered because when I have a seizure, then I may become uncovered regarding my clothing? So the Prophet said yes, and the Prophet made dua for her in that regard. Look at the compassion the Prophet had for someone with what we may describe as a disability. Look at how the Prophet treated different segments within the community, Wasallam, with the utmost ihsan and compassion. Segments of the commuti- community, demographics within the community, which until now, unfortunately, in one society or another, Muslim or non-Muslim, whatever, throughout the world, unfortunately, many of those communities continue to be overlooked. And the reality is the Prophet taught us better. The Prophet taught us to be different than that in the best of ways, sallallahu alayhi wa There was a Sahabi Abdullah ibn umm Maktum who was blind. He couldn't see. And look at how the Prophet enabled him. Some people may look at him and think, oh, he's disabled in one way. But the Prophet empowered him and enabled him in another way. We often know the Mu'addin of the Prophet was Sayyidina Bilal Think of him as Mu'addin one, and then Mu'addin two was Abdullah ibn Ummah Maktoum, who was blind. There were times when the Prophet would be traveling, he would be out on an expedition, he and key companions, and he would appoint This same companion, Abdullah ibn Maktoum, who was blind, to lead the prayer in his absence. He had the talent, he had the capacity, he had the capability. The Prophet saw that, the Prophet recognized that, and the Prophet supported it. The Prophet empowered him. The Prophet didn't tuck him to the side and say, Oh, you're you're good for nothing. No, that's not who our Prophet was. Look at how the Prophet treated this woman with epilepsy with this condition. Look at how the Prophet treated this Sahabi with this condition. We should reflect within ourselves and think, how do we treat people within our family, within our community on a small scale, perhaps this specific community, and then we zoom out more and more, and there are many layers, the more you zoom out, eventually resulting in all of humanity, but we have to start with what's closest to home. We have to look within ourselves, we have to look within our families, we have to look within our immediate neighborhood, our immediate community, whatever that means to you, and reflect and think, how do we treat people who are often overlooked? How do we look at people who are often overlooked? If someone, if they have a, uh, if they have a difficulty as it relates to hearing, we should find ways to accommodate them. How can we make it easy for them? If someone is blind, how can we make it easy for them? If someone is in a wheelchair, how can we make it easy for them to be connected within the community just like everybody else? It's very possible, especially these days, we just have to be conscious of it and we have to make it a priority and we have to dot the I's and cross the T's to make sure that we make it happen. And in doing so, The Prophet will help the entire community exponentially in return. The Prophet taught us that we'll be helped and we'll be given victory through helping those who we may consider, who may be considered socioeconomically, to be at the bottom of that totem pole. The Prophet is teaching us through helping them, then Allah will help us. Through helping those who are in need... In whatever capacity in our community, especially those who are weak, those who, they may not have much of a voice in society. The Prophet is teaching us, prioritize them. Prioritize them. You know, it's incredible when when you look at the Ihsan that this incredible generation around the Prophet that they had, the Sahaba of the Prophet رضي الله عنهم It's amazing when you look at how they would take certain ideas and they would polish them and, and they would try to live them with this spiritual excellence, with ihsan. There's a teaching of the Prophet, which of course continues to apply to us today. There's everlasting wisdom contained within this. When the Prophet mentioned, alayhi salatu wasalam, that the hand that, the, 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 the hand that is above is better than the hand that is below. The apparent meaning of this, when we first come across it, when we first read it, hear of it, are reminded of it, the, the message is clear. The importance of giving. And the implication is, the hand that is giving is the hand that is higher than the hand that is receiving. Conceptually, that's understood. But you have, it's beautiful, you have sahaba, when they would take this concept and they would practice it, if they were giving, they would make sure that their hand was on the bottom Because the hand that is above is the better hand. I want that to be your hand. The one who's receiving, I want you to be honored. I want to elevate you, I want to empower you. I'm not looking down on you in any way, shape, or form. I love you and I appreciate you, I care about you. And I'm giving this with humility, understanding that just because somebody has, whatever it may be regarding dunya, we often fall into the prosperity gospel trap. That is common, in, especially these days, in certain segments of the Christian community. Yet we find Muslims falling into that same ideology. If someone has dunya prosperity, it must mean that Allah loves them. And it must mean that you're deserving of it. That's not the Qur'anic narrative in and of itself. Our narrative is far more layered and has far more depth to it. Look at Surat Al-Fajr right in the middle of the Surah, when Allah, Allah gives us different situations. Allah describes ابْتِلَاهُ a test here Allah describes having dunya having whatever capacity whatever wealth whatever physical strength whatever it may be Allah describes that as a test and then in the next ayah Allah describes someone if Allah withholds some dunya from them then in their minds then this is basically the only thing that matters Allah refutes both ideologies because the way Allah is describing both of them, they're two sides, they're opposite sides of the same coin, though. If someone has, it's a test, and if someone doesn't have, it's also a test. What Allah is refuting is the perception, the ideology that your entire worth is based on the fact whether or not you have a certain number of zeros in your bank account. Allah says, No. How do you treat the downtrodden? That's what really matters. If someone has wealth, if someone doesn't, maybe Allah gave them, maybe Allah doesn't love them. Maybe someone else Allah did give and Allah does love them, but it's not reflected in the wealth itself. What is the condition of the heart of this person? Because after Allah refutes these two concepts, Allah says "Kalla balla tukrimun al Allah talks about honoring, being generous to the orphan. وَلَا عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ How much do we care about feeding people? We can't fall into the, this ideology that, you know, if Allah wanted to feed them, they'd be fed. It's, it's their problem, not mine. Who's to say that Allah is not going to take your blessings, give them to that person, and then the tables turn? And then you become humbled, and you realize and understand that maybe I shouldn't look down on people who may not have as much as I do right now. Allah can take within a moment, Allah can give within a moment. What Allah zooms in on, what is the condition of your heart? How do you treat orphans? How much do you care about feeding people? How much greed completely consumes your heart? And how much are you pushing back and fighting against it? This is what Allah is teaching us. Whoever can manage to keep that, that nafsi greed at bay, Allah describes them as successful. We want our kids to go to this school and become, you know, pursue this career and all that is fine in and of itself. Just do it the halal way. Hopefully there's barakah, prioritize deen over that. So hopefully they can have both. But real success, as Allah is describing, is not based on if you go to school A or B or C or you make this salary, that much money, you have these benefits. Those things are fine and dandy. They have their time and their place. But what Allah is teaching us is priority number one. What is the condition of your heart? The Prophet taught us through one example after another, how he treated people who may have been downtrodden in society, who may have been neglected in society, who may have had special needs, who may have needed special care and special attention. If you want to be prophetic in your character, then emulate the example of the Prophet and how you treat them. Sometimes we fall into this fake plastic understanding of what it means to be kind to people, You're only kind to them if they're wealthy. You're only kind to them if they have connections. You're only kind to them if they can do something for you in return. That is the definition of a fake friend. Our Prophet taught us to be better than that. Our Prophet taught us to be sincere and to be good to people, no matter how rich or how poor. No matter how much they may or may not have, no matter the color of their skin, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter their ethnicity, their race, their background, whatever, the Prophet taught us that's not priority one. How do you treat the heart of that person? How much do you care in your heart about the heart of that person, about the hearts of those people? That should make us pause and reflect because ihsan is reflected. If you want to be a muhsin, that is reflected and not being nice to the rich guy or rich lady. Not being good to the person who knows this person or that person. or Oh, I want this from you or that from you. No, the real muhsin is the one who is good to people even when they don't have those things. The Prophet didn't elevate Bilal after Bilal went away, became really wealthy, then came back. Then he said, okay, now I'm going to make you mu'adzin for this or that reason. That's not the way of our Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet zoomed in on people's hearts. What is your skill? What is your talent? What is your capability? And how can you use that? How can I help you to use that to serve the greater ummah, the greater community? Think of the interactions between the Prophet and Bilal when Bilal would go, would go to him several times every day and give the Prophet a heads up that it's almost time. Going to the Prophet in the early hours before Fajr, checking in on the Prophet, giving the Prophet a heads up. Don't you think the Prophet had a special love for this person in his heart to grant him that special VIP access? absolutely. He must have loved something very special within the heart of that person. He must have loved the sincerity that was expressed from the heart of that person. The Prophet granted him that very unique and special access. Same with Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was not, radiallahu Anhu, a great sahabi in many areas of the Islamic sciences. He wasn't as tall as your average person was at that time. There's even a, a, a narration, a report that one time he was climbing a tree and, and a, a date tree and, and his, the wind blew a little and his shins were exposed and some people who saw that the Prophet was there some people who saw that they made fun of him the Prophet corrected them saying no, 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 no with him, no his legs will be as heavy as the mountain of Uhud on the day of judgment the Prophet is refuting their bullying and saying no you don't know what I know about him You don't see him the same way that I see him. So how do we look at other people? The Prophet taught us Allah doesn't look at your figures. Allah doesn't look at your forms or your wealth. Allah looks at your hearts and your deeds. We live in a society where it's the exact opposite. Everything is material, everything is physical to an extreme. Forget anything sacred, forget scripture, forget anything that the the naked eye may or may not see. No, no, no. The Prophet taught us to be better than that. We ask Allah to fill our hearts with ihsan. We ask Allah to help us to be good to those who have and those who don't have regardless of that because of who we are and because of the hearts that are contained within their chest. We ask Allah to make us from among those he loves, from among the muhsineen rabbil SubhanAllah Rabbika Rabbil Izzati A'ma yasifun Wa Salamun Al Yassifun. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Let's make the intention now between today and next Friday. Allah knows how long we have to live. But let's make the intention so we can at least meet Allah whenever that may be that we sincerely have the intention. The man who killed a hundred people and the scholar advised him, you need to change the scenery, you need to go somewhere new, you need a fresh start. He didn't even get there, but he had this sincere intention. He took steps towards that place, he didn't even get there. He died along the way, Allah forgave him and granted him Jannah. Let's make the intention now. The intention counts with Allah more than we may realize that between today and next Friday, let's do something of Ihsan. Let's say something with Ihsan and let's give something with Ihsan with no strings attached. You're not expecting anything in return from that person. There's an organization I want to encourage everyone here to check out if you haven't already and to donate something to them if you haven't already called Muhsin Called Muhsin founded by Shaykh Umar Suleiman. We ask Allah to accept the effort from him. He founded this before Yaqeen. The point that I want to make is, there's this organization. They have the, the, the N in their logo. It looks like a noon. It's a very creative logo. It looks like someone in a wheelchair. They focus on helping Masajid to become special needs friendly. I want to encourage all of us, one, to at least learn more about them, visit their website, check it out, learn more, and even give something regardless of your circumstances, regardless of of if someone in your family has special needs or not, in your community has special needs or not, chances are that is the case, but that's not the main reason. Give because it's the right thing to do. That's what ihsan is. And Allah will give you more in return. We ask Allah to make us from among those who he loves. We ask Allah to make us from among the muhsineen. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah for a pure and clean hearts. We ask Allah to accept anything sincere that we've done for his sake. And we ask Allah to overlook any of our shortcomings. Rabbil Rabbana atina fid dunya hasna, fil hasna, wa Rabbana la in nasina Rabbana alayna حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقه لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا انت مولانا فانصرنا على قوم الكافرين تقبلوا دعاءنا الشيخ عبد